What's up and welcome back to God, Drugs, Laughs. I'm your host, Rob Christie, and this is a podcast where we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of life. And we do it while we kind of laugh at ourselves about a lot of stuff. So thanks for joining in. Uh, As always, if you could uh, like the show, uh, download, hit the subscribe button to wherever you are listening to your podcast. We'd love to get the word out more about God, Drugs, Laughs. Um, It's been cool to hear how many uh, people have reached out and in different ways how this podcast has helped you. So that means the world to me. So this week, we're going to wrap up Zeb's interview. We had Zeb last week. So if you didn't listen to that episode, I would go back and listen to that one. And then this is part two as we close out our episode with Zeb, which is uh, just a great, great conversation. So make sure you listen. If you need anything, let us know. We're always trying to help others in our community, or if you have any other ideas for the podcast, that would be awesome. Just reach out. I'm Rob Christie on Facebook. You can find me there and shoot a message out. Hope you're doing well, and here is Zeb without further ado. All right, now we're getting into our topic of the week. So I feel like a lot of people may tune out or stop listening because we're going to talk a lot about God and church. So please stay with us. I think a lot of this will be uh, relatable. Yes. Um, so one of the struggles that I have, and I shared with you kind of the corporate idea of church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the way I experienced that was uh, a mega church in my city. And so at our church, you know, we were going along, everything was going great. And then they came and took our pastor. Oh, wow. So I became lead pastor. And then probably a year and a half after that, they came and took our worship leader. Oh, wow. Now, I, I'm not mad at them at all. It's well, one of them because he left so poorly, but not mad anymore. Um. So that that just turned me off to the church for a while because they're big on, hey, we're we're we church, you know, we plant churches, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and the reality, I know they plant other churches, but here in our city, they don't plant churches; they're just planting their brand everywhere. Sure, yeah. So, you know, my buddy, who, who was a pastor, they were renting this building, and he said we were going to the the he knew that he was going to sell the building. They couldn't afford it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, and the guy said, I'll give you to the end of the year and then you guys can leave. So that church comes in, looks at the property and they said, we want it mm. Mm. now. Mm. And so, I mean, they had to find a location in a two week span, you know? So I know they do a lot of good. So I I definitely understand that. And I know they're reaching a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So I I don't have any ill will towards them anymore. For a while I did. Sure. Because that was going on. Like if you're about planning churches, why don't you help the churches that are in these areas of ours? Because our city, Jacksonville is the biggest city. Yeah. uh, Land wise, you know, in the country. Yes. And so there's, 
churches in different sections. So instead of going and helping out the people, the, the pastors and the churches in these areas, they came and planted their brand mm. in these areas. Mm. You know? Yeah. And people leave all these other churches to go there. So, yeah. So for a while, I was like anti mega church. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, who am I to say that? You know, I know God can use anybody. So that is, that's why I love that you came on because I wanted to talk to you about that. Oh, so, cool, man. Yeah. Let's talk that's about That's kind of where I was. Um, not there anymore. Yeah. You know, kind of gotten over that. I still think a lot of the church world is corporate, move up the ladder kind of things, which I can't be a part of, mm-hmm. which is why mm-hmm. I'm a teacher right now. Yeah. So, sure. Why don't you start off? Just tell us a little bit about your church, how y'all do things. Duval, man, I've been waiting. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, yeah, I know about Jacksonville. So, so yeah, man. Um, well, yeah, so our church, man, we, uh, gosh, I came here about three months before COVID took Whoa. over the world. So things have been a little bit different here and a little bit slower for me to get to know uh, really what our DNA is and who we are and get to know people. So it's taken, it's taken a little longer to do that just based on, you know, based on what we've had in front of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that said, man, the church is awesome. So we, um, we are located in the historic part of downtown apex. So when you think um, historic district, sometimes you feel like it's a dying district, but not here. It's very vibrant. We walk out of mm-hmm. our front door and, all the historic businesses are literally at our front steps and they're, man, they're teeming with people always. Matter of fact, whenever we came up here to visit, uh, that was the one thing that my wife and I uh, witnessed that caused us to tear up and to say, this is where we want to be because we literally could see our Jerusalem out the front doors of the church. That's cool. and, and yeah, and I'd only pastored in rural areas before here. So this is, this is more like city pastoring and, you could, you could identify who your folks were just right outside your, your doors. And so, um, so yeah, so we're located right here. We've been here. The church has existed here almost 175 years. So, um, our community has grown tremendously, uh, people moving in by the droves every single day. And so our church has grown, you know, over the years, even since I've been here, even through COVID and all that, um, wow. it's, it's, we're growing in the summer, we're growing, um, you know, so it's, it's pretty amazing. I think since October, we had some stats done recently. We're over, we had, we had, we've had over 800 first time guests, people who are either de-churched or unchurched first time wow. like they've walked in our door. So it's just, it just shows you the folks that are moving into our community and they're looking for something yeah. and we're very visible where we are. So they're just showing up and these are people that, you know, have registered. So we have their information and that kind of thing, but it really is fascinating to be able to see that. So that's kind of who we are. Nestled in Apex, North Carolina, continues to grow um, like wildfire because of all the tech industries that are around us in the triangle. Mm. That's cool. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you stay mindful of the churches around you? Yeah, I was hoping you'd ask that. Um, I didn't know if you wanted me to dive into that or not. So based on the illustration you gave um, of the church, you know, the, the large church in town, like I said, there are far larger churches than ours, um, even, you know, right where we are. And it sounds like this church in Jacksonville is probably one of those ginormous churches. We're, we're not, mm-hmm. we're not that a couple thousand people for us. And some of those churches are 10 plus, you know, they're, they're right. just ginormous. I will tell you this, this is both personal and how we're leading our church. So it's a both. And like, this is how I believe. And they've given me the freedom to lead here. And this is what I've led our church to, to run to. When I started here, um, we had two campuses and it was not, 
a campus where there was, you know, an identifiable full-time pastor at that place. I was literally, bro, I was preaching two services at the main campus, jumping in a car, driver taking me across town, preaching a service at our other campus, getting back in that same car, preaching the last service at our main campus. Had Jeez. no, oh, it's crazy town. Had no pastoral time with our people. And it took me about four times of doing that to say, you know what, this is just not, like when I think about ecclesiology, right? The way I look at the church is just not what I see in the word. And so um, we shut the campus down right before COVID happened, which made me look like a genius, bro. It was almost like <laughs> like we saved all this money, got out of the contract, you know, all that. But yeah. it, it definitely did make some people upset because they're like, why would you do this? You know, this is this is part of who we are. We're trying to plant all, you know, do all, they called it church planting. I don't see that as church planting. Um, I, I think I think it's, it's a multi-site model and you're just kind of growing your kingdom. Um, now that's not a shot at the previous pastor that had that vision. It's nor is it a shot at other pastors who convictionally feel like that's the right thing to do. My convictions though, are that when you take that model and you implement that model and you put it out there, you are building so much around the personality of the pastor Mm -hmm. and whoever comes in next and they can be awesome. Whoever comes in next, they're just not going to be the same personality as the last guy. And that thing can crumble, right? So we have a little bit of data that shows us that. I know there are exceptions to the rule, churches who have transitioned and done well, but when it comes to ecclesiology, I don't know why we can't just plant a church. I don't even mind if they stay under our umbrella because I know there's things insurance wise, you know, monetary things that that you can really be an assistance to them if they stay under your umbrella, but there needs to be a transition plan for me, like a three to five year, you become your own church, right? Um, We'll always be sister partner church forevermore. Um, but, but you become your own church. So we close that, that campus down and we now are focusing on church planting, like genuinely identifying a place. Um, and we're not just looking at the wealthy areas that can tie, right? Like we're, we're, we're trying to actually go to the, what, what, you know, we see in the word as the least of these, we want to go in these areas. We want to plant a church resource that fund that we're at the very beginning stages of that. So I don't have a lot to tell you there, but I can tell you we've also, it's a both and model. We've also, um, adopted a revitalization uh, effort as well. So there are two churches right now, one that we partner with that's about an hour from here, and then another one that's in Nashville that we are uh, partnering with to help revitalize. So um, we are wide open to all the churches around us um, helping them to become a better version of who they are. Like how can we come in and support you, assist you, send teams in to do VBSs or whatever? I will say this, it takes two to tango when it comes to that. And most churches, mm-hmm. most pastors just aren't willing to open their doors for you to come in and help. Right. There's an element of pride there. And again, that's not an indictment on these guys. I think I have that same struggle in my own heart. Talking um, to you, Charlie. Hey, Charlie, you listening, bro? <laughs> Pastor Charlie. Come on. I hope you're tuning in. Uh, <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying. So uh, we're, we're, we want to do more of that. But right now we have two. One's far away, um, but one's kind of in our backyard. An hour, I mean, it's you're talking about. 15 to 20 miles away. It just takes an hour to get there. Um, but the, you know, we've partnered with them. They've opened the doors wide open for us to come and, and support them. So yeah, I hope that encapsulates a little bit of what you're yeah. asking. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting. Um, I love learning from Matt Chandler, learned a lot of the gospel from him, how they had, you know, campuses and they just came to the conclusion. This isn't what the church looked like in yeah. the new Testament. Right. And so after a while, now all those churches are autonomous where they're their own church, their own different name. 
and they sent them all out. And I was like, man, what a move, you know, because it's got to be, I feel for pastors who are in that role where they have five, 10 different campuses, you know, because my pride would be so big, Yes, you know, and for him to humble himself and to say, you know what, this isn't, this isn't the way I think God wants us to go mm-hmm. and to be able to actually do that. You know, huge. I remember that. Yeah. I think it's amazing. I love that. I've learned yeah. that from him too. Yeah. Yeah. Always respected him for that. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. He's, he's great. All right. So anything else we can talk about with this topic? Uh, let's see. What's our topic. What are we talking about? Just church. Yeah. Church, but we can, you know, we can turn church. it more personal yeah. to like, you know, what you struggle with, how God helped you overcome that. Wherever you want to go, man, you're the nah, guest. bro. If you need me to choose, I can. No, no, no. I just wanted to make sure I was um, saying what you wanted me to say as far as <laughs> or answering any questions yeah. about the church. I mean, I mean, yeah, bro. I, I I appreciate your convictions around like mega church stuff, and I'm sorry that you were you and your church family and perhaps others were 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 damaged or, or wounded by some mm-hmm. of the moves that the the larger church made. Um, I can't speak to their motives and and I would never assign motives to them. I, you know, I think that's probably not fair of me to do that. Um, so, so I won't speak to that, but I can say, I'm sorry to, to you all that that happened. I mean, that stinks, man. That's hard. That's difficult. It feels like, you know, the churches that really need the boost and support are the ones that are kind of being looked over to, to kind of, you know, build your own thing. And it's a danger that we all face again, whether that was intentional or not. I mean, again, I, not, not my goal to assign motives to anyone, but I, I do want to learn from that. And I want to make sure that I am leading our faith family in such a way that we are, we are trying to do everything we can to not be that. Um, mm-hmm. Because truly, man, you're going to do enough um, wrong on your own. Yeah. Not meaning sure. to, you know, sure, like sure. Yeah. unintentionally, man, we're going to, we're going to make a mess. And um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to add to that by intentionally doing some things either. So, these types of things help me to process a little bit better. When we think about both short-term and long-term strategy, what can we do to be, be more self selfless and to make sure that our focus truly is on the gospel and that our why is, is honoring the Lord, man. Like that needs to be our pursuit. Cause I, I love, what is it? Romans eight that talks about the impossibility of pleasing God as long as we are walking in the flesh and so mm-hmm. I, I think if we get any kind of fleshliness about us and we try to grow our own kingdom and try to become somebody, which there's this weird dichotomy that takes place whenever we like both say celebrity and pastor or, mm-hmm. you know, popular and church, like it just feels really strange and odd to me um, when we, when we use that language. So I, I want to do everything I can to um, dispel some of that again, to your point earlier, you are so right, bro. Like we, we have done a poor job at representing who Christ is. And and I don't, I don't want to just add fuel to that, that flame, man. I want to point towards the good and let people see, you know, the hope that we have found in Jesus, fall in love with, with that side and know that we, we, I mean, every, almost every letter was a response to a church, you know, in the new Testament, there's a response to a church that was messy. Right. So it's not new. This isn't something that just has recently happened. But I think there are some things that we could at least do to mitigate some of that. So yeah, this podcast yeah. is helpful, bro. You're making a difference. Let's go. Coming after you, mega church. It's not Charlie. <laughs> Pastor Charlie <laughs> over there at Second Baptist Church. <laughs> that's right, bro. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it was stinking. There's a Charlie here because I don't know. So I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs>
We're not talking about you specifically, Charlie. We're, we're, it's a made up person. Okay? It is, Charlie. I don't know you, bro. I don't know you. Comedy. Yeah, comedy. <laughs> this is a laugh portion of God's <laughs> drugs. Um, you know, one of the things I was taught in the 12 step community is, and this is hard for people to get to, is you have to come to the place where you say, I'm a crappy God. Mm. Like I've been in control of my life facts and it's got me here, whether it's got you, you know, in jail, in prison, divorce, mm-hmm. you know, DUIs, all this stuff. That was a result of me being in charge of my life. So good. And the idea is that you turn that over to God, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he takes charge of your life. And for some reason that's been hard for me at times, you know, you'd think it'd be easy for me given my background, but why would I think that? Well, I don't know. Just, I guess, assumption that, Oh, you know, you went to Bible college. You must have a great relationship with God and all that stuff, you know, all that stuff that's not true (laughs) that people assume. Gotcha. But I, I think, so we're big on the word surrender, surrender and get over yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy that I see Zeb, I, I see people who believe in God, but it's not like a particular Jesus, you know, or God, mm-hmm. the father or anything, but they believe in a God. They can't describe it. And that God's like changing their life, which doesn't make sense to me. Right. Coming from the Baptist world, it's like, you have to believe this and do this and then this, and then that's how you know God. Mm, so yeah. it's been like a eye opener to me and I can't really explain it. I mean, you have, you got to understand when you're an alcoholic, you don't come to those meetings with your life together, right? Oh, for sure. Nobody wants yeah. to go to those meetings. It's because you made a mess of your life that you cannot stop drinking. Mm. And you look at the history of alcoholics, they used to just send them to asylums, right? Mm, yeah. He, he's just lost his, his brain. We don't know what to do with him. And to see, and then, you know, the people who started the 12 steps actually come into this understanding, which is cool because they got, they got it from a church that was living this way. Um, and so that's basically the practices that they, you know, tell in, in the book. And it's crazy to see how, but let me get back to my point. My point is you have people who cannot change their life on their own, mm-hmm. make a decision to turn their life over to God and have God in charge. And they become a completely different person. Mm. Yeah. But would never call that God Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't even know why I bring that up. I'm not saying no, that's a good point, man. I feel what you're saying. And, and I do think it's important to know that that could be true of, anything that we put our energy to, right? Cause you're like looking for some kind of a reason mm-hmm. or a purpose for life. And so there's people that turn to all kinds of things for that, right. That, that sure. don't call, don't name it Jesus. And right. it can be, it can be something that, that helps them, right. That focus, that intentional focus helps them to take their focus off of something else. And so it's really cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Like you are mm-hmm. at a place where you're transitioning your thoughts. You're, you're teaching yourself to think differently mm-hmm. and that, higher ethereal power, like just helps you to have something to attach that to. 
What I would say is at some point that does run out, right? Because it's not sustainable. And what we have in Christ and with the Holy Spirit within us, right? That power that that is inside this clay broken vessel that we call our bodies that's in a constant state of degradation, falling apart every day. That's why we pee sitting down, those kind of things, right? Um, but like we have this power in us that Paul says, even though our body is aging every day, on the inside I'm growing stronger and stronger. And so what we have in Jesus is that that progress and that development that we're going to experience the rest of our lives. We call it sanctification. That's the Bible word for it. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a, a, a daily opportunity to get closer and stronger in him. And that's not to say that other people who have attached, you know, some of their hope into other things, they're, they're not able to do that long term. But there's always an end to that. Whereas what we find in Christ, man, is a, a hope that lasts forevermore. And so yeah. at some point, my prayer is even for those folks, at some point they see that, man, their life can be changed. But, um, you know, what they're going to experience in surrendering everything to Jesus is going to be something that has so much more purpose attached to it that you can make sense out of where it's not just this pie in the sky type thing that mm-hmm. one day it's going to I'm going to hit I'm going to hit a stop sign with, you know. Right. Yeah, I get your point for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, I want to go a different direction. Let's do it. So just talking to you, I've been encouraged, right? Encouraged and we used to call it in the Lord. Yes. But just encouraged me to, you know, hold tighter to my faith and things like that. Let's go. How did you come to believe? Mm. What was that transition like? What was that? That's good, man. Yeah. What was that process like? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know who's not been encouraged today is Charlie. Who? Charlie, bro. Yes. Charlie's Poor struggling. Charlie. Poor guy. Um, <laughs> man, so that's an excellent question. So I, I think I mentioned to you earlier that my dad came to know the Lord when I was 16, and I watched his life for about a year. You got to understand, this is like a night and day difference. You know, this is like mm-hmm. a Saul Paul type thing. And I watched his life. I watched he treated my mom different. He treated us different. His language changed. It still hadn't all the way changed. Just saying, but his things changed about him. It was palpable. It was tangible. You, I mean, you could see it. And after watching that, man, I'd realized, man, you know, without getting into like too many details on this at a very early age, I found myself involved with things that I shouldn't have been involved with, uh, drugs being a part of that sex, all the things. Right. And I, I, man, I had complete freedom just to run down that path as hard as I wanted to. And it was mm-hmm. in the culture I was in, it was celebrated. It was like, Hey man, yeah, that's, that's great. Keep, keep going. You need help with this. You want me to get you some of this? You want, you want that easy breezy to live that life. But man, I have an uncle today that's homeless. Um, you know, I, I grew up as a, as a, as a child. I remember being in my granddaddy's house, uh, playing with crack pipes that I found that were in the house. Like that's, that's just a, a very, it was a very normal environment for me. So whenever I began to watch my dad's life, there was some weird thing happened. I, I was given a teen study Bible. I would just like read through this teen study Bible. And, um, I realized just the weight of conviction that was on me. Like I just began to feel it, man. I felt this conviction big time. And I, di- I didn't know how to articulate that. I couldn't tell you it was conviction. I just began to feel really bad about the way I live my life. Yeah. And, and you, you add that on top of some of the natural anxieties that I've had ever since I mean, the, when I was born, the doctor said, that's an anxious baby. You know what I'm saying? Like wow, it's literally yeah. been my whole life. You you add that and it's just a compound effect where you feel like, man, what is life? You know, like, what is this? And so you start feeling bad about who you are. You don't know how to reconcile that. 
simultaneously you're contending with anxiety at, at best low level depression, if not more than that. Um, and it's just swirling all around you, you know? And so as I got into this Bible, I continued to read on my own, on my own, on my own. And then I would have obviously my dad at that point, he's just trying to figure out what it, being a disciple of Jesus looks like. Right. It's changing him. So I'm experiencing some of that. And there was this point in my life, man, I was the summer that I was about to turn 17, which was me going into my senior year of high school. He's only 17. Let's go. I wish I knew that song. I don't think I know it, man. I was going to sing with you. It's she's only 17, but I mean, you've been trying to call me a she all day. I'm just saying, but creepy song from the eighties. Okay. Yeah. Most of them are. My wife's the eighties. That's like the music she wants to listen to. That's That's funny. Anyway. So a light bulb just, man, switched for me, you know? And I was like, oh, so if I, if I understand this right, if I understand the gospel right, Jesus died on the cross, he rose again. He did this not because he was a sinner and needed to do this, but he that knew no sin became sin on our, our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That somehow counted for me, man. Like that was for me. And I really believed it. I really believed that that somehow counted for me. And I prayed the prayer, I, you know, it just the, the way I knew how to pray. I was just like, Lord, I, I don't, I don't really know what this means for my life, but I know I, I don't want to be who I've been. And I just, I asked that you'll come into my life and change me, man. And I was by myself. No one led me into that. I mean, I'd heard people share the gospel, you know, and I'm sure God used all of that right in me, but I was right by myself when I did that. And, um, from, I can pinpoint that that was the season, right? That year long journey in the word. And then that summer culminating in me, just asking the Lord to, to take my life. Like I want to surrender it all to you. Um, I, I, that was a turning point for me. That doesn't mean that, th- you know, I was, everything was reconciled as, as far as like, I never did anything else that was, that was awful. Cause it's not true. But immediately I felt this freedom and what I, what I call like the big stones, like the obvious sins in my life. I began to mm-hmm. push those away. Right. It's like, I don't have a taste for that anymore. Right. You know, like my desires right. change. I just don't want, I don't see joy in that anymore. And uh, some of the other things that I thought I saw joy in, I didn't, man. They they didn't satisfy. So it was just this constant pursuit. Went went my senior year of high school, uh, finished out trying to figure out what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Went to a local church there the best I could, um, and then moved away to go play baseball. And those those were some heart shaping years for me. Really, the first church that I was ever a part of. This sounds crazy. Was when I when I transferred. I did two years at at North Florida playing ball. When I transferred to BCF the first church I was really ever a part of was a church that I was a student pastor in. didn't even look to do that. Didn't want to do that. I, mm-hmm. I felt called to ministry. Didn't know what ministry meant. I thought it meant I'm going to teach school and coach baseball and just make a difference, which I think is awesome. Those people that do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dr. Lee, our old Testament professor at BCF was an interim pastor at this church in Alabama in Daleville. And they reached out and said, Hey, I, I think, I think you should like at least apply to be a part of this, like to be our, our student ministry, a part of this team and Dr. Lee was pushing that. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, so, so I did. And that was the first church I can ever say, like, I was really a part of that church, man. That became my church. Mm. And God just began to shape me ever since. And and I can tell you, man, when if we want to do it now, we can do it another time, how the Lord led me to my next church, which is where I began pastoring. It's a crazy story. But, um, but yeah, from there, man, God just, it, it was like, that's why I say it's not a career, man. God just like, man, he opened doors that no one else could open, shut doors no one else could shut. And it just has happened for me. Yeah. And so anyway, that's where we are. Yeah, that's good stuff. 
I love, you know, when we talk about, I think we throw the word gospel around, which is great to use, but most people have no idea what that means, right? Obviously, it means the good news, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, directly related to the good news of Jesus. And I remember I use the great exchange a lot yes. to, you know, help people understand the gospel that, because I still preach at my school, we're a Christian school. So one of the things that happens is the great exchange is all of Jesus's perfection, everything he did right comes upon us and all of our, you know, wrongs that we've done, all of our sin, all of those things we regret, all of those things we have hidden goes on to him. Yes. To the point now that when God looks at us, mm-hmm. he doesn't see us. He sees Jesus, right? Come on, somebody preaching now. And you're, you're pure, you're clean, you're spotless. Yes. And that's the life-changing story. I can't tell you how many times, you know, everybody has a preconceived idea of God, especially when we talk about Christianity, people who grew up, you know, in Christianity, people who are scared of God. I can't tell you how many times I, I would have meetings with people at my church and I would share that with them, the great exchange. Mm. And they'd say, Oh, so like God loves me right now. Like he's not distant. He's not angry. He's not far from me. And I'm like, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's a life changing story. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, God is always there welcoming you full of grace and mercy. Mm. And so, you know, when we talk about what I think changes people, and like you were saying, that's what changes you. And that's exactly what you were talking about that changed you yourself, right? That's right. Um, Is that grace. And so, you know, that gets me excited when I talk about that more, makes me want to go and be a pastor again. Yeah. And, but I, I have to start, one of the big things, I have to start believing that for myself. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, you should, man. You should. Yeah. Well, I, I'm reminded of uh, Psalm 32, man. So, you know, David's story, right? David committed adultery mm-hmm. with Bathsheba, saw on a rooftop. He should have been in battle, but he saw this girl. She looked good. Hey, What's up, girl? hey girl, take that <laughs> bath over there. I'm going to name you Bathsheba. Uh, so anyway, he he asks, he's like, who, who is this girl? And Zeba is the dude's name. He's like, oh, man, that's your eyes, wife, bro. You don't need to be messing with her. And he's like, nah, bring it to me. So anyway, he commits adultery with Bathsheba. He has, he tries to conceal it, tries to hide it, doesn't work. So he has Uriah, her husband killed on the front lines in the battlefield. No one, no one is going to happen. No one put him in a position where he's going to kill, knew it was going to happen. That was his whole plan. And then he hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it until he's confronted by the prophet Nathan. Well, fast forward, you got Psalm 51 where we see David confessing that sin, right? Um, he, he asked the Lord to create in him a clean heart, renewing him a steadfast spirit. Uh, God does that. God forgives him. We rejoice in that. We love Psalm 51. The Bible's not in chronological order. So you've got Psalm 32 that has taken place before Psalm 51. And in Psalm 32, you have David who is on a mountaintop and he's looking back into that season, right? You've been there, right? I've been there where I'm like looking back. Like, oh, I remember that. I remember that valley. I remember that season, whether it's self-inflicted circumstantial, whatever you remember the valley. And so David's looking back into that valley. He starts, he starts Psalm 30, 32 by saying, God, your forgiveness is so good you know, grateful that you would forgive my sin, heal my iniquity, all the things. And then he quickly transitions as if he's looking back into that valley. And he says, I remember that time. My strength was dried up like the heat of the summer. Us Florida boys, we know what that's like. Mm -hmm. He talks about 
this anthropomorphism of God's heavy hand. What did you just say? Bro, that's a big word. I'm a doctor. What does that mean? I don't know if you know. <laughs> it's, it's like human terms trying to describe God. And so yeah. he, he says, God's heavy hand was upon me. And he said this, he said, when I kept silent, it's as if my bones were wasting away. Mm. Right. So we've been there. Like we know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. He quickly pivots once again. So he, he bookends this whole you know, text like this starts by saying grateful for God's forgiveness. He remembers the season of lowliness that he was in. He quickly pivots again and he says, but then I confess my sin to the Lord and he forgave me. He healed me from my, my iniquity. Now what I see in that Rob, this is what I see. I see David saying, and God never went anywhere. Like never, never went anywhere, man. It was, it was me. Like I was hiding. I was the one that was like, I was so consumed with trying to conceal something that I couldn't conceal ultimately from God. Mm-hmm. And he even used his prophet Nathan to show me that, but he never moved. Even right. in all that junk that I did, which was awful. He, he never, he never left me, man. He was right yeah. there. So that's your story. That's my story. And that's why we rejoice in the gospel, man. Cause again, he's the hero, right? You've said that a couple of times. He's the yeah. hero of the story. It's not us. Yeah. So I, I think that was great. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. It's helpful to like, I, when you were talking, I was thinking about some other stuff. Oh, you weren't listening to me. I was listening to what you were saying. No, that's but. okay, man. That's, all right. that's how my church feels too. What am I going to eat for dinner? You know, <laughs> I always have 30 conversations going on in my I, head. I'm the same way, bro. I totally, you ever yeah. preach like, you know, you'd be, you'd be in the middle of preaching. And you have, you're thinking about a thousand things while you're trying to preach. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is why I got on Adderall. I got on Adderall and I was like, this is it. This is what I've been looking for my whole life. And then I started taking too much of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it became a problem. But, um, I think about the woman at the well, how beautiful that story is. So, you know, you have this woman who comes out to the well at the hottest point of the day. Yes. And the reason why she goes at the hottest point of the day is because nobody else will be there. That's right. Nobody else will be there to look down upon her because her life has been messy. No one will ridicule her because her life is messy. And so she's the only one there, except Jesus is walking through and he stops. And I love that he goes and meets with this woman. You got to think about how devastated this still recording. Yes, we're good. Okay. You got to think about this woman, you know, I I can relate to her a lot, how she feels worthless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No one, no one wants her. No one loves her in the sense of, and one of the reasons for that is because she had been married several times, which is, you know, scandalous in those days. That's right. But Jesus goes and he meets her and I one of the parts where he says, you know, he's talking to her and says, go and get your husband. And I always thought Jesus was like being a jerk in that situation Mm. because she says, I don't have any husband or I don't have a husband, I think. And she says, that's right. You've had multiple, multiple husbands. And so, but I look at that story now and I see Jesus meeting her where he needed to. You know, I know everything about you. I know what you've done. I know how bad you've been in the eyes of people. I know how everybody criticizes you. 
but mm. I still, I still, I showed up here to meet you specifically. Mm. And she tells him that he tells her that he knows all this stuff so they can get past it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know your stuff, you're forgiven and let's go on. And you know, the story is really cool. One of my favorite parts of the Bible, because at the end of the conversation, she's like, Hey, I know one day the Messiah is going to come and, mm. and talking about it. And then Jesus says, you know, I am he, yes. I'm the one you've been waiting on. Yeah. And we see how that changed that lady, right? The one yes. who didn't want to be around people. She goes into the city and begins sharing this, you know, good news. It's good, man. About God not holding our sins against us. God not being distant and angry. Like God is here, mm-hmm. you know, it's a good word. and God is love. Yeah. Because in that day, she was also a Samaritan. That's right. And so yeah. the Jewish folks would look at the Samaritans and say, you have it all wrong. You know, you're half breeds. God doesn't want anything to do with you. That's right. Yeah. But Jesus showed up and met with her there. And, bro, what a you good know, word. I, I love that. It just reminds me of the gospel, these stories. That's an amazing word, man. And, and I think to your point earlier about, you know, people who are in A and they have this, this higher power, they don't necessarily call God. It, that, that story paints a really good picture for that, too, of, of like, you know, if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. Mm-hmm. The water that I give you. And that's kind of my right. point is, is man, you, you do hit an end with this, you know, this um, power that's out there somewhere. You hit an end to that, right? Yeah. Um, but but if you drink of the water that, that Christ gives you, like you'll never thirst, you'll never thirst again, which I think is amazing to think about. Yeah. And I, I always tell my kids when I preach at school, I used to, you know, coming into a life of following Jesus, you think, oh man, this is going to be crappy, right? Yeah. I remember I did. I started listening to Christian hip hop, which was horrible <laughs> back then. Um, uh, there was, I think it was called Gangster Disciples. Uh, and the I think first line it, was, Nick Knack, Paddywhack, give a dog a bone. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what am I listening man. to? That's creative, bro. That's but, dope. That's dope. Yeah. I wish someone would have been there to tell me what this means in the sanctification means is, becoming more like Jesus, right? That's right? Exactly. So what does Jesus do? You know, yeah. Jesus loves people well. Mm-hmm. Jesus shows grace. Jesus cares for the orphans and the widows. And these are really cool things that we get to do. We get to be a part of. Yes. I can give my life to that all day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can give my life to that. And so that's what I try to help people understand. Like, you're not going to lose a ton of stuff. You're going to gain life. That's good. Because I, I believe, you know, we truly start, it's kind of like the secret of life, right? Mm-hmm. Is focusing on others. That's right, man. Yeah. This, this story is wrong because I, I have, I tried to research it. Somebody told me this one time, but it's a great story. I don't know who said it, but anyways, he was this well-respected man. I think it was Salvation Army guy. Okay started it obviously had helped a ton of people and he was old and he was retiring. And so they had this thing where he was going to speak for the last time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he slowly walks up to the podium and he grabs his Bible and he holds it up and he says, others mm. and he puts it down and he walks off. Mm. Like, That's it. Mm. <laughs> Stop worrying so much about ourselves and focus on others. Yes. And that's when we truly become satisfied, I believe, you know. I agree 100%. And I do think that that, again, I think that's the thing that helps us to cope with all the other things that we, when we, when we get so introspective, 
I know there's a time and place for that, but when you get so introspective, you're always focusing on you and you like how, how you're feeling about this and that and whatever. Um, again, there's a time and place for that. I, I'm in no way bashing that. But when we do that, always, you don't have time to add value to someone else. And right. in, a, in a crazy way, when you, you love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love others, your neighbors, yourself, and you look for ways to serve them and to care for them. Like a, a good example, my mom told me this once. She's like, man, I, I went to the doctor. I had this thing that I was facing and um, really, really nervous about it. And she said, the, it was like the Lord just just spoke to me in the sense of, I'm going to show up and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for ways to bless the nurse. Like instead of me focusing on my angst and being in the waiting room and, and sitting in the doctor's office, I'm going to look for ways that I can add value to that nurse. Like what can I do to really make her day? And I'm going to mm-hmm. focus on that so much that I kind of forget about what I'm facing. And, yeah, and it was so impactful for her, man. And, and I think about that in my everyday life is I got a lot of things every day that I'm worried about, whatever. But what if I get yeah. my eyes off of me a little bit and just focus on serving others and adding value to them um, in, in a crazy way? The Lord uses that because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if we lose our joy, mm-hmm. it's our strength, man. So we can't give that away. Yeah. That's definitely what I lost Same. in the midst of my struggles. Yeah. yeah. The joy. Yeah. That's when I lose things. That's like when I'm in my low seasons, man, that's what it is. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not walking in joy at all or gratefulness yeah. or, you know, everything's kind of, sure. kind of bad, you know? Yeah. I love the quote by Maya Angelou. I just pulled it up real quick. It said, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Let's go. Praise the Lord. What you're, what you're talking about is that you're, sh- you're counting people, you know, as, as something giving them worth, right? Yeah. Hey, you're, you know, you, you may not feel this way about yourself, but you are, you know, you have so much worth and, I showed up here and I'm just coming here to love on you, do whatever, you know? Absolutely. And that's, that's how I love that quote. Cause it's good. they'll remember how you made them feel right. They'll remember that love kind of is what, what comes out for me. It's true, man. When I hear that quote. Yeah, it's true. hundred percent. And I, I really think that that's where a lot of false teaching gets off track is people buy into it because of like the way that they feel too. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, man, you can, you can, you can, obviously we are not called to manipulate and whatever, like that's, there's, that's a different line that we're talking about. But I think that it's important for us to note that the reason why people buy into cults and different things like that is because they, like they were made to feel a certain way. Well, what we have is the truth. Like we have the truth, man. And so uh, we live a life in such a way where we want to honor Jesus. And part of honoring him is understanding that we push against all the things that are, you know, uh, full of piety and full of um, arrogance and pride and we, we, you know, the people Jesus got angry with were the, the pious church folks, right? That's who we got mad with. And we run to the least of these, but we run to them with truth because it is that truth that sets them free. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I love that. Like you can make people feel valued and loved because you are in Christ and you're giving them the truth. And it is that truth that they hear that opens the heart of their, their you know, the, the, their soul and that their eyes are open, their hearts open. And they, they now have a, a life that has changed and they go and do the same. And that replication is the gospel, man. Jesus promised that it would happen and it's happening. That's my story, your story. And right. in our brokenness, God has used it, you know, to bring others to him. It's pretty amazing. I love, I'm going to say this quickly, but I love the pool of Siloam story. It's the blind man. Jesus spits in the dirt, whatever makes clay, mm-hmm. not prescriptive, just something he did. <laughs> and, and man puts on his eyes and then go to the pool, wash off. What we miss in that story, bro, is somebody had to take that joker by the hand. 
He's blind, man. He's blind. And he wasn't laying in the pool. He had to go to it. Jesus told him to go to it. Someone took him by the hand and, t- and, and said, man, let me take you here. Mm. You know? And, and I'm wondering how many people in my life am I taking by the hand and showing them the beauty yeah. of who Christ is, you know? That's good. Let's end it there, man. Let's do it. You tired of hearing Great me? Combo. I get it. We got one more segment. Oh, we do? We do. I didn't tell you about this one, I don't think. Oh, no. We are going to get into our suggestions of the week. So you want to suggest something you're reading, TV show you like, some new mm. shoes that are very supportive. Oh, yeah. Anything that you want to suggest. It doesn't have to be something in the God realm. Let me ask you this. Is that the Pringle man on your hat? Oh, no, nah, bro. So this is a minor league baseball team in oh, Kinston. Okay. I've been wondering that the whole yeah. time we've been talking. It's like a cat. It's, what is it? Cabbage? I don't know. The what? Abbots? I, no. <laughs> I don't speak very clear most of the time. Cabbage. Like, I think it's oh, cab- cabbage. I think it's a cabbage man, I think. I think. Yeah, all these weird names. They changed minor our league. minor league team to the Jumbo Shrimp. Bro, the Jumbo Shrimp. I, I saw them. I, I saw them. They come up to um, Durham. They came and yeah. played the Bulls, and I, we went and watched them. Yeah. And I was yelling, Duval, the whole time. Yeah. And their guys were looking at me. It was pretty awesome. That's funny. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool to go to that park. Yeah. The history there. All right. So do you have something you can suggest for the folks? You, you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. You go first. Okay. I'm going to talk a little bit because I haven't thought of anything either. Oh, here's my suggestion. One of the things I love... This is what I like to suggest, things I love. If you're in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. go to the restaurant in Jacksonville Beach called Cruisers. Oh, Cruisers, yeah. Have you been there? Is it the same Cruisers that was in downtown St. Augustine? Yes. That shut yes, down? Yes. Bro, I loved Cruisers. That place is good. Oh, yeah, so I hate good. that they closed that one down. Um, get the, I'll tell you what the order, marinated chicken chunks. Oh, that's what I get when I go, bro. That's the same yeah. thing I got. Yeah. Yeah. And the cheese fries. Okay. I just got regular fries. I didn't get cheese fries, yeah. but I, I could see how that's amazing. But the best part about all that is the ranch they give you. Hold hold hold, 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 Time out. Sometimes I dip my finger in it time, and just flip it off my out. finger. Bro. <laughs> Ain't you vegan, bro? What you doing eating chicken chunks am, and yeah, cheese yeah, fries? Yeah. Listen, I'm, <laughs> I've been more, I'm back to eating vegan, but I'm more... For probably about the last four months, I was a vegetarian. So I was eating all kinds of cheese. Uh, Got tired of that fake cheese and just went at it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think fake cheese, can. it can't be that good for you. Right? Yeah. Or is it? Well, cheese isn't that good for you either, Well, cheese right? is bad for you. No, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're that's, the, that's the question. Like, which one is worse? Yeah, I, I think, yeah. Well, probably yeah. real cheese is probably worse. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, the Never one... Mind. one one time I felt the best in my life is let me know when you got to go. No, you're straight. Yeah. Is when I was eating a diet, the vegan diet, but all we were eating was like fresh ingredients. Uh, and I tell you what, man, you woke up with energy, felt good all day. Well, let and, me, uh, it's like, that's the way we were supposed to eat. Right. I think Before we right. start manufacturing all this other stuff, which I love and I've gone back to, and I've eaten, Especially popsicles. I mentioned that last week. I love popsicles. Oh, dude, I heard you say I love them. I love them jokers too because they cheap and they taste amazing. If you let them melt just a little bit, you got to let them melt 
just a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You can't let them be hard. You got to let them melt just a little bit. And they're amazing. Zeb, this is what I do. <laughs> Tell me. I get my $2.50 bag of frozen pops. Okay. What, I mean, what a world we live in. I bring those things home. I, I, I shove them in my freezer. And I grab them. And I like them just like you do. So I go over to my sink. And I put a little hot water on them. Oh, melt that's them down what's up. a little bit. Yes. Where they become like a slushy. That's what's that's up, the best. Man. That's the best kind. Well, you got to cut it as close to the top as you can, too, because you'll lose a lot. If you, I see people cut it too low. And I'm like, bro, you just threw out a whole bunch of popsicle in there. You know, you yeah. got to cut as close. You got to make it sure it's open, but you got to cut it as close to the top as you can. Yeah. I, I think I, I don't do that. I cut it, but then I grab that piece. Oh, you eat you know, the other sure. piece, too? Yeah, yeah. I don't waste that. Yeah. You know, this might might be a safe place for me to admit something that I've eaten one of those two dollar fifty bags popsicles in probably thirty six hours. Oh, let's go, man! I'm proud of yeah. you for that. I think that's I, awesome. I got addictive behavior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plays out different now, but <laughs> just pounding uh, them one, 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 one. That's amazing. Yeah, things so, are good though. There's not a lot to them, so it really probably isn't that yeah. much. Yeah, that's why they're two fifty. All right, man. What about you, Zeb? You have anything to suggest? Oh, man, it's a, it's a good question. I, I really, I don't have a lot of time for television right now, um, so I'm not watching too much of that. Uh, I will say I did watch a movie with my wife the other night that was on. What was it on? Prime, maybe Prime. Um, if you Amazon have, Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it on that. Uh, and it's what was it called? Redeeming Love. Have you oh, yeah. have you heard of it? I read the book, dude. Man. Oh, you read the you're, you're the book guy. Well, you get girls and, and hey, I done told man. you about Nicholas Sparks, bro. I mean, <laughs> you know, but yeah. dude, real talk. I was like, man, I ain't really trying to watch this movie because I kind of get bogged down. I usually fall asleep during movies or whatever. You talk about like the gospel on display, and you read the books, you know. Mm. I think that film really encapsulated well um, what the gospel looks like, man. Like how the Lord yeah. continually pursues us even in our, in our sin. And I was, I was fully into that movie. And so was my wife. It was just, it was, it was good, man. So I recommend that if you get a chance to see it, there are a couple of scandalous things. I mean, it's not oh, like, really a little bit, bro. It. It's not R it's not rated R, uh, okay. but PG 13 is kind of the new R. So there, I mean, there's a couple of little things. Um, so if you got kids, you might not want to watch it with them, but, but it's good, man. Get a chance yeah. to watch. It's good. Yeah. Why don't you unpack that story real quick and then we'll head out. The redeeming love story? Yeah. Cause it's off of, you know, Hosea. It is Gomer oh, Hosea. Right. You want me to ruin the movie or or just talk yeah. about Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, <do. laughs> I just mean, love that story. I mean, you read the book. Well, well just how about you talk about the Bible version? Yeah, it. just capturing that. Basically, um, you know, God God loves us as we are, right? And in, in that particular Bible story, uh, you know. Gomer was, um, Jose was told to love Gomer and Gomer continually stepped out on Hosea over and over and over again. And he was told to bring her back, like accept her back, accept her back, accept her back. And he did. And mm-hmm. you know, that, that's just how, how the gospel is. I mean, we're an adulterous people. As James says, we step out all the time, um, on the Lord, but his patience, his forbearance, his loving kindness, um, is, is grace, man it is, is yeah. so big and that doesn't give us a license. As a matter of fact, it does the opposite. It doesn't give us a license to say, you know, Hey, live however you want to live. As John Owen said, be killing sinner. It'll be killing you. I mean, you know, there's right. only bad things that come with our, our pursuit of sin and our pursuit of sure. the flesh. 
However, uh, we also need to know simultaneously that we have a God who loves us and accepts us and you can always um, come back, you know, so that it's just the essence of the gospel. He's not waiting for you to get it all together. Um, I, I love the illustration. Almost every other religion is climb the ladder, climb the ladder. If you do enough, you can get to the top. And mm-hmm. the the gospel is Jesus came down the ladder and rescued us in, 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 in our mess. So that's, you know, in yeah. really short order, that's, that's the story. Well, well, come boy's on preaching. <laughs> he's an old time God. <laughs> yeah. You gave the tame version. Like she was going back and selling herself into prostitution. Well, there you go. And imagine what the, um, what her husband had to feel like, you know, going back and getting her yep. right and grace. There's been a little two year old trying to break in my room. Oh, hour, she's so. amazing, man. I loved, yeah. I loved, uh, hearing her last, last week on your podcast. That was awesome. Yeah. She's, she's great. Man. Life changer for sure. hundred percent. They'll do that. Are your sermons online? They are, but you can All find right. far better ones. If you go to Matt Chandler or, you know, some other people. H.B. Charles, it. bro. You got H.B. Charles in your hood, bro. H.B. Charles is awesome. Yeah. Joshua. You know H.B., right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hope that's yeah. not church he's talking about. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> what? what would you <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing, man. I'm, I'm going to actually start listening to your sermons. Awesome, bro. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, listen I'll, to last week and I'll tell me what you think. I'm like every Bible college student doesn't know. Yeah, no, thank you. No, I get I'm enough of that. Guy. But hey, last, this past Sunday, I did something different because I preached through books. We're starting Romans this week, but um, we talked about bitterness. Hey, girl, you are so pretty. <laughs> um, we talked about bitterness, man. So check, check that one out. It was just something that the yeah. Lord had done in, in me. And so anyway, I, I wanted to share a little bit of that. Hey, girl, you're so Say cute. Hi, Hi, Uncle Zip. You are so pretty. You must look like your mama because you're pretty. I'm joking, bro. You're good looking. <laughs>